Welcome to our series on the Awakened Church, exploring the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to be continuing this week with our theme of looking at what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say I'd love for you to join me next week for part three, when we're going to be looking at the events that are happening around the world right now in terms of global uh, injustice. And we're going to be looking at what does it mean to be an inclusive church. I'd love for you to to join me next week as we begin to explore that. But today we're going to be looking at what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw last week God's desire, God's heart to pour out his spirit upon every single person. But the question lies for us personally is this, is this your experience? Have you encountered the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. There was this moment in history, in the book of Acts, that has become now a normative experience for millions and millions of people since the day of Pentecost. And I think for all of us, there is a moment where there has to be this decisive moment where we encounter and experience the power of the Holy Spirit as Christians. Every year we love to go on holiday to the Lake District. The Lake District I love because it's absolutely stunning. Scenery is is beautiful. Now this may be a bit odd for you, but uh, I watched a documentary on the Lake District whilst I was in the Lake District. And it was all about a photographer who would uh, not just take random photos of the beautiful scenery of the Lake District, but they would wait sometimes on the top of a mountain for literally hours until they caught the perfect moment to take photos. The terminology they would use is they were looking for that decisive moment. And as I look back uh, on my life, it's been full of what I would say a decisive moments, the moment I start to follow Jesus at the age of eight, the moment I was baptized, the moment I got engaged and married and met my children. And we as a church right now, I would say we are experiencing a decisive moment, a defining moment. Uh, this moment in history regarding the global pandemic and in that place of restriction, the, the pain and the voice of many is being heard, such as racial injustice. And it's a moment in history for the church to step up and stand in the gap and see the new thing that God is doing among us. But one of the key moments, decisive moments, defining moments for me was when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The story for me was that it was late at night and I was just at home in my lounge and my dad prayed for me. And so there was no band playing, there were no violins playing. Um, It was just late at night and my dad prayed for me and he just simply and gently laid his hand upon my head and I became overwhelmed with the presence of God. The presence of God began to fill the room and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I just knew that I knew that I knew that God was real in that moment and something changed. And I was just aware of this incredible power, this incredible uh, heat almost, and I began to speak in tongues. It was a defining, decisive moment for me and my life. And then when I went to school the next day, something had changed. There was like a boldness with sharing my faith with my friends. I didn't really matter what they thought or the, the fear of rejection or the insecurity that often sharing our faith brings. 
I was so overwhelmed with the reality of God is that everything else became that much smaller because God was present. Now, some of our uh, brethren in, in some denominations would argue that you get all that when you believed, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he rose from the dead and, and you got born again, that you got everything. But here's our foundation. Let me just do a little bit of theology with you. You, you cannot say that Jesus is Lord without the Spirit of God. So, so when you become a Christian, when you got born again, the Spirit of God dwells in you and regenerates us. And it's a deposit of a future inheritance. But as one of my favorite pastors, preachers, uh, theologians, uh, one of the finest voices of the 20th century, admired by many from all different parts of the body of Christ would say, he said this, got it all, got it all, then where is it? If you had what the apostles had, you'd have what the apostles had and did. And so if, if you're a Christian and you're in Christ, then the Holy Spirit resides in you. But you can live without his felt presence and power in your life. And so we need a, an investiture of power. God is a person and he is a God to be encountered, experienced, and we're to meet him personally. Before he was an article in a creed, he was an experienced reality to be encountered. So movements and denominations in different parts of the body of Christ over the years have turned things differently. They hold on to different emphases, if you like. But, but I like what the retired Bishop David Pitchers said, where he was talking about when you receive the Spirit and how many fillings of the Holy Spirit one has. In response to whether he believed that the filling of the Holy Spirit was a second blessing, so you became a Christian and then you were like filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said this, yes, I believe in the second blessing. It comes after the first and before the third. Just wonderful wisdom in that. And, and that's what I've experienced in my life and, and in pastoring a church and in seeing many people's lives is that we receive the Spirit when we become Christians, but we are continuously filled with the Spirit. There are many, 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 many feelings. The point is this, there is more. There is more. And if we look through the Bible, you see that the, the woman at the well talked about streams of living water. John and Jesus talked about a baptism of fire. Paul talked about being filled with the fullness of God and filled with joy and love. John talked about an anointing from the Holy One. The Puritans talked about a seal of the Spirit. Historical churches talk in terms of confirmation. Pascal talked about the night of fire. Whitfield talked about the day of my espousal. Wesleyans talked about a second work of grace. Uh, Keswick um, and those who are connected with that stream talked about the second blessing. Pentecostals call it the baptism in the Spirit. Charismatics talk about the fullness fullness of the Spirit. Vineyard talks about all of those things, uh, but mainly empowered evangelicals or just, just be filled with the Spirit. The point is, it doesn't actually really matter what we call it. The point is, do we have it? Do we have it? The point isn't theologizing about it, but personalizing it. It's not a, a semantic jigsaw 
What matters is that we are immersed and that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, like we see in the book of Acts in the early church, that that love blazes in us, that we're endowed with power, that we're baptized and immersed in the Spirit. A.W. Tozer said this, no one was ever filled with the Spirit without knowing that they had. So the question is, well, look, why do we need the power of the Spirit? And we need the power of the Spirit. We saw Jesus um, when he was baptized and all of heaven opened and he, he was he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit and began his ministry for three years. Like him, like the disciples, like the early church, we all need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you get a handle on the size of the task that has been entrusted to us as Christians, particularly as you think about our day and age and what we're dealing with, that we're to namely spread the gospel to the nations of the earth, spread the gospel to our family, to our co-workers, to our friends, to our neighbors, but not only just preach the gospel, but to demonstrate the gospel in healing and ministry to the poor and feeding people and deliverance and raising our kids. And you get a handle of how great the opposition that we face, the power of the enemy to blind people's minds. When you see the enormity of the opposition from Satan, and in addition, when you recognize your utter inadequacy, my inadequacy, to fulfill the task in light of the opposition, you will cry out for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to be a man or a woman of God that intends to do more in life without the power of God. It's impossible to fulfill Jesus' commission and call without more of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to experience God's love to know that we're daughters and sons of the living God, to live in that reality without more of the Holy Spirit. What are we being filled for? Is it just for a good time? Is it for our toes to tingle? No. Is it, as it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it's so that you will be his witnesses. You will be his witness, witnesses. And... In Acts, when the Spirit comes, the people go public. We begin to declare the good news of the gospel and how wonderful God is through words and through actions because the Spirit has empowered us. When you are filled with God, you can do the things that God can do. So it's not for our personal consumption. It's not just so we feel good, although I've never... Um, experience the presence of God and, and, and not have an incredible experience. And we see the real purpose of the Spirit, though, in the kind of the mandate, the manifesto that was on Jesus' life and is now on our lives as the church in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is our mandate. This is our manifesto. This is our commission and our life's calling. John Piper, wonderful pastor and teacher and author says this, the world does not need cool Christians who are culturally saturated. It needs exiles with the scent of heaven and the aroma of Christ. 
He goes on to say this, a Christian is not a person who believes in his head the teachings of the Bible. Satan believes in his head the teachings of the Bible. A Christian is a person who has died with Christ, whose stiff neck has been broken, whose brazen forehead has been shattered, whose stony heart has been crushed, whose pride has been slain, and whose life is now mastered by Jesus Christ. And I love that phrase, our lives are now mastered by Jesus Christ. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to walk in the Spirit. It's to allow our lives, as it were, to be controlled by Him. And that's why it talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, it's a command, not a suggestion, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we hear things like, you know, don't steal and don't do this. But have you, have you actually seen it as a command that, hey, if we're going to do this thing and do it well and fulfill the call that God has for us, is that we need to adhere to the command of being filled with the Spirit. D.L. Moody, um, great evangelist. Uh, and one of my favorite stories about him is when there was a whole town wanting to have a preacher come and preach a revival. And everybody was saying, look, we need to get D.L. Moody. And finally, a young guy spoke up and said, look, we, we don't need to get D.L. Moody. Why is everybody saying that? It's not like he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. Everybody got really quiet, as you can imagine. And an older, wiser gentleman in the back corner stood up and said, son, you're right. D.L. Moody does not have a monopoly on the Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit does have a monopoly on D.L. Moody. And that's why we need to get him to come. You see the picture? And the question for us and the invitation and challenge for us is, does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on our lives? It's less of me and more of him. There's so much more. That is the invitation. That is the heart of Acts. That's the heart of what God is saying to his church right now is that if we want to be a fully alive, a fully awakened church, is that we need to, to wade in the incredible ocean of God's heart to pour out his spirit. But we can't ask for more of God without saying, Lord, less of me, less of me. To be filled, it is a passive and a present continuing action. It's not a one-time event but it is an ongoing experience. And I love the understanding uh, of the Greek to be filled. Uh, in the Greek, it's, it's uh, termed pleiruse. And what Paul is talking about with that, that word of being filled uh, from the book of Ephesians is that a literal translation of that verb would read something like this, be being kept filled. The idea is keeping yourself constantly filled as you yield moment by moment to the leading of the Spirit. It fits perfectly with that whole process of walking by the Spirit. The spiritual life is not to be dumbed down to a kind of a few spectacular moments in our lives. Sometimes there are amazing experiences, of course. We're to expect that. Uh, but sometimes it's gradual, sometimes it's incremental. The key is, I think, daily, just humbling ourselves before the Lord, spending time with Jesus, allowing the aroma of Christ to be upon us and on us as we go out and connect with people. See, the key in that mandate and manifesto of Luke 4 is that where the Spirit of the Lord is on us to do the stuff, the Jesus stuff, is when we're around people who need to hear the good news. 
we're around the broken, we're around those who need deliverance and freedom. That's where the Spirit of God begins to move. Where the Holy Spirit is at most power is not in a Sunday service when we're gathered, but actually it's when the church is scattered and we're reaching those on the outside, the four walls of the church. That's where the Holy Spirit and his anointing is upon the church and working most. God is as much in the seasons of felt presence as he is in the silence and the lack of manifestation. The key is in the manifestation, the key is, is in the fruit of what God is doing in our lives. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. We, we, we begin to get the character of Christ, which is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the result of the Holy Spirit growing in our lives, but also he releases that power to be witnesses and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to encourage the body of Christ. But how can we have more when there is no less of us? We need to come under the authority of God and his lordship to really walk in all that God has for us. I want to encourage us as a church with this thought. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 90 plus percent of what we would do would probably carry on and we wouldn't know the difference. But is the Holy Spirit being withdrawn from the New Testament church and the early church, as we read about in the book of Acts, and 90 plus percent of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. And church, we need to be a fully awakened, a fully alive church in this moment in history, in our time, in our turn. We need to desperately be a people of the Spirit. And so I want to encourage you to lean into that, to hunger for it, to thirst for it. To, if you're not hungering for it, to ask God to pray that and say, would you stir up a firestorm of hunger? Uh, some of the great preachers over the, over the years, they would sometimes wait days and weeks and months just till they had met God in that transformative way. And then their ministry and their call and their purpose in life just took on a whole different meaning. I wanna suggest that this is the way forward for us as a church. This is in our, in our inheritance and in our heritage and our DNA. We value the Holy Spirit. Let's continue to press into that and see, uh, see a revival like we've never seen before. Thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to connecting with you next week. God bless.